Section 50 of Young Folks Treasury Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Young Folks Treasury Volume 2. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Section 50. Siegfried. Parts 5 through 7. Adapted by Mary McGregor. Part 5. Siegfried Goes to Isenland. Whitsuntide had come and gone when tidings from beyond the Rhine reached the court at Worms. No dread tidings were these, but glad and good to hear of a matchless queen named Brunhild, who dwelt in Isenland. King Gunther listened with right good will to the tales of this warlike maiden, for if she were beautiful, she was also strong as any warrior. Wayward too she was, yet Gunther would fain have her as his queen to sit beside him on his throne. One day the king sent for Siegfried to tell him that he would fain journey to Isenland to wed Queen Brunhild. Now Siegfried, as you know, had been in Isenland and knew some of the customs of this wayward queen. So he answered the king right gravely that it would be a dangerous journey across the sea to Isenland, nor would he win the queen unless he were able to vanquish her great strength. He told the king a Brunhild would challenge him to three contests or games, as she would call them. And if she were the victor, as indeed she had been over many a royal suitor, then his life would be forfeited. At her own desire, kings and princes had hurled the spear at the stalwart queen, and it had but glanced harmless off her shield, while she would pierce the armor of these valiant knights with her first thrust. This was one of the queen's games. Then the knights would hasten to the ring and throw the stone from them as far as might be. Yet ever Queen Brunhild threw it farther, for this was another game of the warrior queen. The third game was to leap beyond the stone which they had thrown. But ever to their dismay the knights saw this marvelous maiden far outleap them all. These valorous knights, thus beaten in the three contests, had been beheaded, and therefore it was that Siegfried spoke so gravely to King Gunther. But Gunther, so he said, was willing to risk his life to win so brave a bride. Now Hagen had drawn near to the king, and as he listened to Siegfried's words, the grim warrior said, Sire, since the prince knows the customs of Isenland, let him go with thee on thy journey to share thy dangers, and to aid thee in the presence of this warlike queen. And Hagen, for he hated the hero, hoped that he might never return alive from Isenland. But the king was pleased with his counsellor's words. Sir Siegfried, he said, wilt thou help me to win the matchless maiden Brunhild for my queen? That right gladly will I do, answered the prince, if thou wilt promise to give me thy sister Kriemhild as my bride, should I bring thee back safe from Isenland, the bold queen at thy side. Then the king promised that on that same day that he wedded Brunhild, his sister should wed Prince Siegfried, and with this promise the hero was well content. Thirty thousand warriors will I summon to go with us to Isenland, cried King Gunther gaily. Nay, said the prince, 
thy warriors would be but the victims of this haughty queen as plain knight-errants will we go taking with us none save hagen the keen-eyed and his brother dankwart then king gunther his face aglow with pleasure went with sir siegfried to his sister's bower and begged her to provide rich garments in which he and his knights might appear before the beauteous queen brunhild thou shalt not beg this service from me cried the gentle princess rather shalt thou command that which dost thou wish see here i have silk in plenty send thou the gems from off thy bucklers and i and my maidens will work with them for gold embroideries into the silk and thus the sweet maiden dismissed her brother and sending for her thirty maidens who were skilled in needlework she bade them sew their daintiest stitches for here were robes to be made for the king and sir siegfried ere they went to bring queen brunhild into rhineland for seven weeks kriemhild and her maidens were busy in their bower silk white as new-fallen snow silk green as the leaves in spring did they shape into garments worthy to be worn by the king and sir siegfried and amid the gold embroideries glittered many a radiant gem meanwhile down by the banks of the rhine a vessel was being built to carry the king across the sea to isenland when all was ready the king and sir siegfried went to the bower of the princess they would put on the silken robes and the beautiful cloaks kriemhild and her maidens had sewed to see that they were neither too long nor too short but indeed the skilful hands of the princess had not erred no more graceful or more beautiful garments had ever before been seen by the king or the prince sir siegfried said the gentle kriemhild care for my royal brother lest danger befall him in the bold queen's country bring him home both safe and sound i beseech thee the hero bowed his head and promised to shield the king from danger then they said farewell to the maiden and embarked in the little ship that awaited them on the banks of the rhine nor did siegfried forget to take with him his cloak of darkness and his good sword balmung now none was there on the ship save king gunther siegfried hagen and dankwart but siegfried with his cloak of darkness had the strength of twelve men as well as his own strong right hand merrily sailed the little ship steered by sir siegfried himself and soon the rhine river was left behind and they were out on the sea a strong wind filling her sails ere evening full twenty miles had the good ship made for twelve days they sailed onward until before them rose the grim fortress that guarded isenland what towers are these cried king gunther as he gazed upon the turreted castle which looked as a grim sentinel guarding the land these answered the hero are queen brunhild's towers and this is the country over which she rules then turning to hagen and dankwart siegfried begged them to let him be spokesman to the queen for he knew her wayward moods and king gunther shall be my king said the prince and i but his vassal until we leave isenland and hagen and dankwart proud men though they were obeyed in all things the words of the young prince of the netherlands part six siegfried subdues brunhild the little ship had sailed on now close beneath the castle so close indeed that as the king looked up to the window he could catch glimpses of beautiful maidens passing to and fro 
Sir Siegfried also looked and laughed aloud for glee. It would be but a little while until Brunhild was won, and he was free to return to his winsome Lady Kriemhild. By this time the maidens in the castle had caught sight of the ship, and many bright eyes were peering down upon King Gunther and his three brave comrades. Look well at the fair maiden, sire, said Siegfried to the king. Among them all show me her whom thou wouldst choose most gladly as your bride. Seest thou the fairest of the band, cried the king, she whom is clad in a white garment? It is she and no other whom I would wed. Right merrily then laughed Siegfried. The maiden, said he gaily, is in truth none other than Queen Brunhild herself. The king and his warriors now moored their vessel and leaped ashore, Siegfried leading with him the king's charger, for each knight had brought his steed with him from the fair land of Burgundy. More bright than ever beamed the bright eyes of the ladies at the castle window. So fair, so gallant a knight never had they seen, thought the damsels as they gazed upon Sir Siegfried, and all the while King Gunther dreamed their glances were bent on no other man than himself. Siegfried held the noble steed until King Gunther had mounted, and this he did that Queen Brunhild might not know that he was the prince of the Netherlands, owing service to no man. Then going back to the ship, the hero brought his own horse to land, mounted, and rode with the king toward the castle gate. King and prince were clad alike. Their steeds, as well as their garments, were white as snow. Their saddles were bedecked with jewels, and on the harness hung bells, all of bright red gold. Their shields shone as the sun. Their spears they wore before them. Their swords hung by their sides. Behind them followed Hagen and Dunkwart, their armor black as the plumage of the wild raven, their shields strong and mighty. As they approached the castle gates were flung wide open, and the liegemen of the great queen came out to greet the strangers with words of welcome. They bid their hirelings also take the shields and chargers from their guests. But when a squire demanded that the strangers should also yield their swords, Grim Hagen smiled his grimmest and cried, Nay, our swords will we and keep lest we have need of them. Nor was he too well pleased when Siegfried told him that the custom in Isenland was that no guest should enter the castle carrying a weapon. It was but sullenly that he let his sword be taken away along with his mighty shield. After the strangers had been refreshed with wine, her liegemen sent to the queen to tell her that strange guests had arrived. Who are the strangers? Who come thus unheralded to my land? haughtily demanded Brunhild. But no one could tell her who the warriors were, though some murmured that the tallest and fairest might be that great hero Siegfried. It may be that the queen thought that if the knight were indeed Siegfried, she would revenge herself on him now for the mischievous pranks he had played the last time he was in her kingdom. In any case, she said, If the hero is here, he shall enter into a contest with me, and he shall pay for his boldness with his life, for I shall be the victor. Then with five hundred warriors, each with his sword in hand, Brunhild came down to the knights from Burgundy. Be welcome, Siegfried, she cried. Yet wherefore hast thou come again to Isenland? I thank thee for thy greeting, lady, said the prince. But thou hast welcomed me before my lord. He, King Gunther, ruler over the fair realms of Burgundy, 
hath come hither to wed with thee brunhild was displeased that the mighty hero should not himself seek to win her as a bride yet since for all his prowess he seemed but a vassal of the king she answered if thy master can vanquish me in the contests to which i bid him then i will be his wife but if i conquer thy master his life and the lives of his followers will be forfeited what dost thou demand of my master asked hagen he must hurl the spear with me throw the stone from the ring and leap to where it has fallen said the queen now while brunhild was speaking siegfried whispered to the king to fear nothing but to accept the queen's challenge i will be near though no one will see me to aid thee in the struggle he whispered gunther had such trust in the prince that he at once cried boldly queen brunhild i do not fear even to risk my life that i may win thee for my bride then the bold maiden called for her armor but when gunther saw her shield three spans thick with gold and iron which four chamberlains could hardly bear his courage began to fail while the queen donned her silken fighting doublet which could turn aside the sharpest spear siegfried slipped away unnoticed to the ship and swiftly flung around him his cloak of darkness then unseen by all he hastened back to the king gunther's side a great javelin was then given to the queen and she began to fight with her suitor and so hard were her thrusts that but for siegfried the king would have lost his life give me thy shield whispered the invisible hero in the king's ear and tell no one that i am here and then as the maiden hurled her spear with all her force against the shield which she thought was held by the king the shock well-nigh drove both gunther and his unseen friend to their knees but in a moment siegfried's hand had dealt the queen such a blow with the handle of his spear he would not use the sharp point against a woman that the maiden cried aloud king gunther thou hast won this fray for as she could not see siegfried because of his cloak of darkness she could not but believe that it was the king who had vanquished her in her wrath the queen now sped to the ring where lay a stone so heavy that it could scarce be lifted by twelve strong men but brunhild lifted it with ease and threw it twelve arms length beyond the spot on which she stood and then leaping after it she alighted even farther than she had thrown the stone gunther now stood in the ring and lifted the stone which had again been placed within it he lifted it with an effort but at once siegfried's unseen hand grasped it and threw it with such strength that it dropped even beyond the spot to which it had been flung by the queen lifting king gunther with him siegfried next jumped far beyond the spot on which the queen had alighted and all the warriors marveled to see their queen thus vanquished by the strange king for you must remember that not one of them could see that it was siegfried who had done these deeds of prowess now in the contest still unseen siegfried had taken from the queen her ring and her favorite girdle with angry gestures brunhild called to her liegemen to come and lay their weapons down at king gunther's feet to do him homage henceforth they must be his thralls and own him as their lord as soon as the contests were over siegfried had slipped back to the ship and hidden his cloak of darkness then boldly he came back to the great hall and pretending to know nothing of the games begged to be told who had been the victor 
if indeed they had already taken place. When he had heard that Queen Brunhild had been vanquished, the hero laughed and cried gaily, Then, noble maiden, thou must go with us to Rhineland to wed King Gunther. A strange way for a vassal to speak, thought the angry queen, and she answered with a proud glance at the knight, Nay, that will I not do, until I have summoned my kinsmen and my good lieges. For I will myself say farewell to them, ere ever I will go to Rhineland. Thus heralds were sent throughout Brunhild's realms, and soon, from morn to eve, her kinsmen and her liegemen rode into the castle, until it seemed as though a mighty army were assembling. Does the maiden mean to wage war against us? said Hagen grimly. I like not the number of her warriors. Then, said Siegfried, I will leave thee for a little while, and go across the sea and soon will I return with a thousand brave warriors, so that no evil may befall us. So the prince went down alone to the little ship, and set sail across the sea. Part 7. Siegfried and the Princess The ship in which Siegfried set sail drifted on before the wind, while those in Queen Brunhild's castle marveled, for no one was to be seen on board. This was because the hero, had again donned his cloak of darkness. On and on sailed the little ship, until at length it drew near to the land of the Nibelungs. Then Siegfried left his vessel and again climbed the mountainside, where long before he had cut off the heads of the little Nibelung princes. He reached the cave into which he had thrust the treasure, and knocked loudly at the door. The cave was the entrance to Nibelheim, the dark little town beneath the glad green grass. Siegfried might have entered the cave, but he knocked, that he might see if the treasure were well guarded. Then the porter, who was a great giant, when he heard the knock, buckled on his armor, and opened the door. Seeing, as he thought in his haste, a strange knight standing before him, he fell upon him with a bar of iron. So strong was the giant, that it was with difficulty that the prince overcame him, and bound him hand and foot. Alberich, meanwhile, had heard the mighty blows, which indeed had shaken Nibelheim to its foundations. Now the dwarf had sworn fealty to Siegfried, and when he, as the giant had done, mistook the prince for a stranger, he seized a heavy whip with a gold handle and rushed upon him, smiting his shield with a knotted whip until it fell to pieces. Too pleased that his treasures were so well defended to be angry, Siegfried now seized the little dwarf by his beard, and pulled it so long and so hard, that Elberish was forced to cry for mercy. Then Siegfried bound him hand and foot, as he had done the giant. Alberish, poor little dwarf, gnashed his teeth with rage. Who would guard the treasure now, and who would warn his master that a strong man had found his way to Nibelheim? But in the midst of his fears he heard the stranger's merry laugh. Nay, it was no stranger, none but the hero prince could laugh thus merrily. I am Siegfried your master, then said the prince. I did but test thy faithfulness, Elberish. And laughing still, the hero undid the cords with which he had bound the giant and the dwarf. Call me here quickly, the Nibelung warriors, cried Siegfried, for I have need of them. And soon thirty thousand warriors stood before him in shining armor. Choosing one thousand of the strongest and biggest, the prince marched with them down to the seashore, 
There they embarked in ships and sailed away to Isenland. Now it chanced that Queen Brunhild was walking on the terrace of her sea-guarded castle with King Gunther when she saw a number of sails approaching. Who can these ships be? She cried in quick alarm. These are my warriors who have followed me from Burgundy, answered the king, for thus had Siegfried bidden him speak. We will go to welcome the fleet, said Brunhild, and together they met the brave Nibelung army and lodged them in Isenland. Now will I give of my silver and my gold to my liegemen and to Gunther's warriors, said Queen Brunhild, and she held out the keys of her treasury to Dankwart that he might do her will. But so lavishly did the knight bestow her gold and her costly gems and her rich raiment upon the warriors that the queen grew angry. Naught shall I have left to take with me to Rhineland, she cried aloud in her vexation. In Burgundy, answered Hagen, there is gold enough and to spare. Thou wilt not need the treasures of Isenland. But these words did not content the queen. She would certainly take at least twenty coffers of gold, as well as jewels and silks with her, to King Gunther's land. At length, leaving Isenland to the care of her brother, Queen Brunhild, with twenty hundred of her own warriors as a bodyguard, and eighty-six dames, and one hundred maidens, set out for the royal city of Worms. For nine days the great company journeyed homeward, and then King Gunther entreated Siegfried to be his herald to Worms. Beg Queen Ute and the Princess Kriemhild, said the king, beg them to ride forth to meet my bride, and to prepare to hold high festival in honor of the wedding feast. And thus Siegfried, with four and twenty knights, sailed on more swiftly than the other ships, and landing at the mouth of the river Rhine, rode hastily toward the royal city. The queen and her daughter, clad in their robes of state, received the hero, and his heart was glad, for once again he stood in the presence of his dear lady, Kriemhild. "'Be welcome, my lord, Siegfried,' she cried. "'Thou worthy knight, be welcome. But where is my brother? Has he been vanquished by the warrior queen? Oh, woe is me, if he is lost! Woe is me that ever I was born!' And the tears rolled down the maiden's cheeks. Nay, now, said the prince, thy brother is well and of good cheer. I have come, a herald of glad tidings, for even now the king is on his way to Worms, bringing with him his hard-won bride. And then the princess dried her tears, and graciously did she bid the hero to sit by her side. I would I might give thee a reward for thy services, said the gentle maiden, but too rich art thou to receive my gold. A gift from thy hands would gladden my heart, said the gallant prince. Blithely then did Kriemhild send for four and twenty buckles, all inlaid with precious stones, and these did she give to Siegfried. Siegfried bent low before the lady Kriemhild, for well did he love the gracious giver, yet would he not keep for himself her gifts, but gave them, in his courtesy, to her four and twenty maidens. Then the prince told Queen Ute, that the king begged her and the princess to ride forth from Worms to greet his bride and to prepare to hold high festival in that royal city. It shall be done even as the king desires, said the queen, while Kriemhild sat silent, smiling with gladness, because her knight, Sir Siegfried, had come home. 
In joy and merriment the days flew by, while the court at Worms prepared to hold high festival in honor of King Gunther's matchless bride. As the royal ships drew near, Queen Ute and the Princess Kriemhild, accompanied by many a gallant knight, rode along the banks of the Rhine to greet Queen Brunhild. Already the king had disembarked and was leading his bride toward his gracious mother. Courteously did Queen Ute welcome the stranger, while Kriemhild kissed her and clasped her in her arms. Some, as they gazed upon the lovely maidens, said that the warlike Queen Brunhild was more beautiful than the gentle Princess Kriemhild. But others, and these were the wiser, said that none could excel the peerless sister of the king. In the great plain of worms, silk tents and gay pavilions had been placed, and there the ladies took shelter from the heat, while before them knights and warriors held a gay tournament. Then in the cool of the evening, a gallant train of lords and ladies, they rode toward the castle at Worms. Queen Ute and her daughter went to their own apartments, while the king with Brunhild went into the banquet hall where the wedding feast was spread. But ere the feast had begun, Siegfried came and stood before the king. Sire, he said, hast thou forgotten thy promise, that when Brunhild entered the royal city, thy lady sister should be my bride? Nay, cried the king, my royal word do I ever keep. And going out into the hall, he sent for the princess. Dear sister, said Gunther, as she bowed before him, I have pledged my word to a warrior that thou wilt become his bride. Will thou help me to keep my promise? Now Siegfried was standing by the king's side as he spoke. Then the gentle maiden answered meekly, Thy will, dear brother, is ever mine, and I will take as lord him to whom thou hast promised my hand. And she glanced shyly at Siegfried, for surely this was the warrior to whom her royal brother had pledged his word. Right glad then was the king, and Siegfried grew rosy with delight as he received the lady's troth. Then together they went to the banquet hall, and on a throne next to King Gunther sat the hero prince, the lady Kriemhild, by his side. When the banquet was ended, the king was wedded to Queen Brunhild, and Siegfried to the maiden whom he loved so well. And though he had no crown to place upon her brow, the princess was well content. End of Siegfried